Welcome, everyone, once again to another of another version. Gosh, I almost can't get it out, Mark Ferrer, because you and I are grooving to the tune too much. It's so, so uh, true. After they, further review with Mark Ferrer and John Pelkey, I am John Pelkey. That was Mark Ferrer, Jeff Taylor, our producer, with us as well. But we, we should point out that that song is the opening song from what I believe to be, and I think you believe to be, the best album by our both of our favorite band, the Rolling Stones. Right. Now, now again... Uh, you know, there's a few caveats to that. This this opening song, the groove that they are able to establish right off of the bat. Yeah. And uh, the combination, to your point, John, of the timing of where they were, of where Keith Richards was in his in in his, uh, you know, per- glory. Yeah, exactly. His progression and or de- descending down down whatever road he was on. Uh, it, it it is just such a great song, and it you know, and, and it depends on terms of my favorite band. It goes between the Beatles and the Stones, sort of depending on what I'm listening to at the time. It's like football or baseball, depending on the season. But don't I'll tell you all, what my favorite sport is. Don't we all do this with the Beatles? And Jeff, you're a musician, and and actually, unlike Mark and I, you're not a horrible musician. You're actually a good musician. I'm mediocre. Don't we all set the Beatles aside a little bit because they were kind of the blueprint and they invented so much of what came after, both in studio techniques and marketing and um, uh, just the 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 entire over owes everything to the Beatles. It's like Babe Ruth. In baseball, it's like yeah. you have to separate them when you talk about best players in baseball. You have to take Babe Ruth out. You have probably have to take the Beatles out when you talk about pop music. Well, the reason why is because you have four guys that all on their own could have started a band and been a huge band. All four yeah. of them. They they <laughs> proved it by. I think is it wrong that Ringo Starr has more hits on his own than any of the other Beatles, and he's the guy that you would most likely get rid of if you said which one should you get rid of. I don't think I don't think it's more than anybody else. I know he has more than John Lennon. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, Paul Paul McCartney because the, the field, you know, at, at some just point. the longevity of of putting out albums and things. Ringo has now become essentially a, uh, a, a he's a touring entity and he's toured in a lot of different uh, bands that he's put together and has success with that. But McCartney's continued to release albums and he had hits. You know, I don't even know what a hit is now. Since I, I, I mean, in a way, in the 70s, McCartney, you know, was almost not quite as big as the Beatles, but he he was one of the major pop stars, certainly by 1975, 76. But Ringo had some great songs. Now, a lot of that had to do with the fact that his friends from the Beatles were writing them, producing them and playing on them. But regardless, you know, and every Ringo, other musician, I mean, everybody wanted to play on a Ringo album. So even the Beatles yeah, that weren't exactly. playing on it, it was guys from, you know, I think Charlie Watts helped him out with albums. Jim Capaldi from Traffic. I mean, every everybody ended up on a Ringo album. But uh, yeah, you're, and that's the thing, too. Uh, I think Jeff makes a great point with the Beatles. Talk about a uh, the, the right people meeting the right time. And George Martin always said, you can't pick your timing. But their timing was perfect. Right. And I think we may have even talked about this on, on, on a podcast in the past. But people, at this point, 24 in, we're going to repeat ourselves. So just, you know, get over it, frankly. Uh, but it's just, you know, after uh, the Kennedy assassination 
yeah. and the country has just spent you know, all of this time and mourning a couple of months straight, essentially, of mourning. And then the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show just mm-hmm. just changed everything. So and I said the Stones. Stones are my favorite band, but I would never argue that they're better than the Beatles. They're just my favorite band, partially because I still have the opportunity to see the Stones play live. And they've had another 30, excuse me, 50 years of making albums. So clearly they're going to keep you in the consciousness a bit. It's true. No, there's no doubt about it. And that opening lick uh, of, of rocks off. I'm sorry. It, 50 years later, 48 years later, it completely holds up. And, uh, of course, I'm surprised this is the first open that you sort of stumbled over because you were so into the opening lick, John. I mean, that says a lot about your professionalism. It really does. Well, I've been thinking uh, I've been thinking recently, you know, I've done the music deep dives where I listen to albums like from beginning to end uh, chronologically. I did it with the Beatles. We That was my first go around, and I've done it with Pete Townsend's solo stuff. Uh, I did it. I've done it with... Uh, Gosh, a couple other couple other artists that strike me. Uh, uh, Aerosmith, I did it with all the Aerosmith albums. Just just to, just to hear, you know. Fog Hat. And haven't done the Fog Hat one yet, though. I will argue Fog Hat, much better band than you give them credit for. Um, but uh, I've been thinking about doing a Stones. And oh, that will be a fun man. one for me because I have, a, I, you know, I've just recently, last uh, around last Christmas, I picked up a turntable again. And I went back to the vinyl thing, which I wish I'd never given up on. Um, but uh, I have a number of the Stones albums on vinyl as well, so I could actually switch up how I listen to them. And I still have a bunch of them on CD that I can listen to in my car, so it doesn't have to all be streaming. So I may I may start with England's newest hit makers, Mark, and make my way all the way through to uh, the uh, Living in a Ghost Town single, which is yep. the last thing that they recorded, though apparently uh, they are, uh, once this is all over, well, there'll be a new Stones album. Supposedly, and, and I bought tickets for their Minneapolis date, um, which was, I think, May 16th or 17th, and we'll see what happens. You know you know what those uh, those ticket places, they never cancel the event. They just postpone it because that gets them off the hook for refunding any money, right. of course. Exactly, and it's all in some sort of escrow account. Follow the yeah, money, that's, people! That's, yes. a, that's a double whammy, too. During coronavirus in Minneapolis, I mean, odds are long that Oof. it's happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway. Poor Minnie, uh, Poor Minnie. We'll, get, we'll get to that. Thanks to the Stones for uh, Rocks Off being our uh, our opening song. Hey, before you move on from that, I was listening to a yeah. podcast, and Tom Morello, the guitarist from Rage Against the Machine, has Love this him. really cool thing where uh, you take all those bands, any band, and you pick who the all-star is and then who should go is, who's the least, uh, the least important to the band. And the Rolling Stones is the one that can last hours yeah talking about how whether it's keith or mick who's the all-star and most right, well, now it's going to last hours on this show most people most people eventually land on keith but they have to be dragged kicking and screaming over to keith richards and i, I see you shaking your head because you think it's mick i assume i i i don't i don't think you i don't think that's you got you to play to, that though. game with the stones you have to <laughs> It's like this. It's like the Beatles. How do you how do you choose between John and Paul? And and to your point earlier, you can't pick one to throw out, Jeff, because Ringo, more than likely, by a lot of musicians out there, a lot of very very credible musicians, say he's probably the most underrated drummer of all time. Well, unique. Pete Best feels like why are you still turning this dagger in my back? <laughs> I mean, it's been there long enough. Does it have to continue to turn? Oh my goodness. 
the, the, the oh yeah, Pete Pete Best, the Wally Pip for those of you who aren't music uh, fans. Um, no, Wally Pip get hurt. He just got, got, got fired. Well, he, he got he got <laughs> hurt sure emotionally because yeah. he didn't play as well as Ringo. But uh, yeah, you can't you, you can't kick Keith or Mick out of no. You just you just can't do that. You can't get rid of Charlie either. No, 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 no. Yeah, you, you only have to get rid of one. So you could get rid of somebody that uh, that like I don't even remember who's the isn't it the guy that from the faces that plays the uh, Ron Wood. Is he yeah, the Ron guy? Wood, yeah. But he I mean, he's been with the band now for 45 years. Yeah, he, so he, he, he could go. Guy. He could go. I mean, you can pick him. So Beatles is the hard sure. one. The funny thing is that they, they land, they, 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 they play all of those licks, Rocks Off being one of them. And they yeah. say, this is the reason the Rolling Stones are the Rolling Stones. But mm-hmm. with the Beatles, everybody eventually, they start with Ringo and they eventually end up with George, taking George out. And, and yet George is considered a top 50 songwriter of all time yep. in his own right. Yeah. <laughs> He's a top 50 songwriter of all time and the in all, his own right. The you all, take that guy out of the band? The I mean, all they star. do these top uh, 100 things all the time on Sirius XM, Beatles Channel. They've done four now since they've, you know, they do it like every holiday weekend and they just replay it. And inevitably, out of the top 10, there's always three George songs. Yeah. Out of the top ten of the Beatles all time canon, there's always while my guitar gently weeps, yep. something, and here comes the sun. Yeah. Yeah, I'd argue he's the superstar of their final album, frankly. Because yeah. I know Let It Be is the final album, but we all know that was recorded ahead of time and, and, and Phil Spector in between shooting people overproduced it or whatever now. He did. Um but the final one recorded was Abbey Road, and I would argue that if you put something and Here Comes the Sun on an album, you win as right. far as I mean, superstar that it, it That's why that album, to me, is an underrated album, because it has some great work from all of them. And it always sort of gets third or fourth place behind the, the White Album and Sgt. Pepper's and Revolver, you know. The, now, the, 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 second, the second side of that album is their best work of all time. It's hard to argue. Yet, oh, you know, Lennon would argue... Yeah, that well, he was annoyed by that because he was at that point he was getting into his plastic Ono band phase where it was strip everything down, um, and oddly the plastic Ono band, band album recorded by uh, produced by Phil Spector in uh, a very oh, yeah. surprising production because it was very spare, but uh, he Lennon would go to the other side and talk about uh, he would say uh, I've read interviews he should have done the vocal on Oh Darling right. he thinks he would have done a better job. And I would love to have heard that, actually, because it does actually play to his voice very well. And I Want You, She's So Heavy, what he would say was one of the seminal moments of the album. And Mark, now Mark is going to get in an argument with me about this because he he hangs around kids who know a lot about the Beatles. I've never understood the fascination with that. I think it's a great song. It's a great riff. It's jam, good jam. But I have never understood in the Beatles canon how that song stands out in any way. Well, I just think they consider it a great a great song in a great era. You know, it's like Old Brown Shoe was that era as well, and I've never really understood that one either. I think there's that's part of the Beatles' lure is that there's stuff out there that you just come back to, and it hooks you, but it doesn't. You you, you still there's something still missing that you will eventually discover by the time you die. There, there's an entire book that you can purchase on the recording of the song "I Want You, She's So Heavy," which I find just remarkable, frankly. And and come togethers on that, which is one of his best of all time. I mean, it's it is it is a great and and he was a pretty good contributor to that medley. And that last bit where there's all those guitar solos, that was the three of them 
on yeah. one take deciding to do this. And, you know, I'm sorry. It's just the way they end that song with the end and those yeah. lyrics. I mean, it's and then they don't actually end it. It's just per, it's just I mean, I, 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 it's it's phenomenal. I mean, it, that yeah. the end of that song may be the best piece of music in our lifetime's history. I, I could I, I could I could argue that side of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. And, and yet Abbey Road is always sort of fourth place behind White Album, Sgt. Pepper and Revolver. I disagree. Well, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jeff. I, I think, and and again, I'm no means a an expert. Just a, been a Beatles fan since I was a kid. I I, I think Sergeant Pepper gets a lot more credit because it was a culturally iconic moment. Yeah, but I would argue I would not put it in their top four albums. To be right. quite frank, I would put Abbey Road, The White Album, Revolver, and Rubber Soul all above, um, and maybe Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, though there's a little bit of filler there. Um, ahead of Sgt. Pepper. Though, it's, it's a, there's an argument to be made, and it just shows you how great the Beatles are, that by a lot of people's polls and opinions, credible people, credible critics, they have Sgt. Pepper as the best album of all time, and we can make credible, arguable statements that it's maybe fifth. It's, it just tells you how beyond the pale they are it's they're the babe ruth to pop music they i really always, are it's I always, like a different category i always give you shit about your actor stuff but this is the one thing that we can all agree on i think the critics are always wrong <laughs> yeah well you know it's I, here's how i you know approach the critical i think we talked about this before and i and i'd like to just point out for the record we are now 20 almost 20 minutes into the show we haven't talked about sports at all which is probably best you said babe ruth yeah, you said babe ruth and, yeah, well, that's true. We, 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 Mark. Thank you, Mark, for for injecting sports into our music, uh, our music talk show. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. But uh, You're welcome, I, America. I think one of the funny things is it kind of makes that argument that John Lennon always made when he he was asked, you know, all the time about, you know, when will the Beatles get back together? And and a lot of times he was very coy. And it's like, well, you never know. And blah blah blah. blah. But he said, and I think it was in the final uh, interview that he did. He did an interview with a guy by the name of David, David Chef for Playboy magazine. It was an extended interview. They turned it into a book afterwards. But he said, look at look at the work that was done. Didn't we do enough? Seriously, isn't it? You know, and I think he was even even accepting. And I think we've seen this with bands that have stayed around longer and we see it, you know, we'll turn it to sports athletes who stay around a couple of years too too long. At that point, when you walk away at the pinnacle, when you released arguably and and Abbey Road, in my mind, um, one of your one of your best albums, if not your best. And I think that argument can be made as well, as do I. um, There's no place to go but down. It was Bruce Springsteen after Born in the USA. He's like, I, 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 I need to change what I'm doing a little bit. And he did a, with uh, Tunnel of Love. He did a much more intimate album that wasn't, uh, you know, the arena rock sort of thing that Born in the USA was because he said, I know it, you can't repeat this. So for the Beatles, and I remember when I was a kid, somebody going, oh, they would have morphed into ELO. Well, I think that's a little simplistic. Oh and I love ELO. There's no, yeah. Don't get me wrong. And obviously, Jeff Lynn, I mean, owes practically sure. everything to George Martin and John Lennon and Paul McCartney and George Harrison, Ringo Starr as well. Um, but uh, I, I just don't think I think Lennon's point was well made. Hey, guys, here's what we here's what we gave you over this period of time. Yeah, I think we've done our part. No, yeah. I think that's great. I mean, o- almost 300 songs, and the 
the sheer volume of great songs because it is a it is a hard thing to pick the best fifty Beatles songs. Yeah, it's because you're going to leave some out that you're right. thinking what that's not a top fifty Beatles song. <laughs> I mean, literally the sheer volume of great songs. He's right. Didn't we do enough, people? Didn't we do enough? You just no. have, just this insatiable greed and lust for more. You want a farewell tour where you all show up in separate jets and don't speak to each other or make eye contact on a thing, but you'll do it for you'll do it for a paycheck, Eagles. That's what we want from you, Eagles. <laughs> I, would, I love the Eagles, but I just never understood. John Henley strikes me as he's the Scott Rowland of rock and roll. He's yeah. just joyless. Well, and and you know the thing about him is that when they kept touring after Glenn Fry and and, yeah, and Don, Hen- Don Henley said something about that, that they, they were over. And it's like, at this point in time, dude, really? I mean, it's not. It's now, not, it is Glenn Fry's kid. So it's a right, little so it's like, like Led Zeppelin playing with Jason Bonham, where there's, you know, you, you sort of understand that there's a nostalgia with that that, sure. that I have a little less problem with. It's like it's like uh, Sean Lennon and Danny Harrison touring with Paul and Ringo. Why not? Why, why not? They're forty years apart. <laughs> why not? Not quite. But why uh, not? All I, right. I, I would like that personally. Yeah. yeah me too. Me too. All right. Uh, so let's let's jump back into what the actual show is. Uh, though I think this has done a great job in um, in relieving us from the pressure of having to talk about sports at a time when I'm just sort of running out of opinions on reopenings and all of that. So let's do a progressive trivia, Mark Ferreira. Sounds good, my friend. All right, we're looking for an NFL player. He was a top five pick. Top five. He was a Heisman finalist. Oh, by the way, he was an NFL MVP. These are good clues. And he had 11-plus years in the league, played with only two head coaches the entire time. So those are the four first clues for progressive trivia. Top five pick, Heisman finalist, oh, by the way, NFL MVP, oh, by the way, 11-plus years in the league, only two head coaches. There it is. Wow. All right. I had a couple that popped up, like, almost immediately, and then I'm just trying to – Trying to massage the clues a little bit to see if uh, if they fit and they don't seem to. So there you go. That's a good one. And football. Congratulations, Mark, for going with football. I did that. Uh, I did that last night in our progressive trivia. No one guessed online, right. probably due to my uh, lack of uh, abilities with social media. Well, you but, also uh, did it at four, where people just didn't expect it at four. You know what I mean? Well, I thought we decided we were going to try four. I thought five is where we landed. Yeah. See, see, there you go, folks. This is just this is just an example of why John, Where, John and doing? I will never have more than 12 or 15 right. listeners. What are people doing? though? Why? Why is four o'clock any different than five? How is your four any different than your five now, people? That, that's what I don't get. So I just don't think people are holding up their end. I have to be honest. In, I think in, you and I are doing great. far too much. Listen, Haven't live. We've done enough. Live on, <laughs> live on, live on Facebook is a crapshoot anyway. Oh, you you literally I, have to. They have to be on Facebook. They have to get the notification live. They have to be scrolling through. It's a crapshoot. It's tough. I, 
I, I, yeah, I get that. I get that. But I still, and I still couldn't figure out sort of sharing thing with it. And everything. <laughs> just re- it required copying and pasting. And, and frankly, I don't want that. It's folding. You have to fold it over. What I want is larger bread. That's what I want. Larger bread. You have to fold. And then this breaks. And, and look in here, there's nothing. And oh, there's a guy in there. Sorry, I had to go off to the wrong English accent for a Spinal Tap reference. All right, uh, Mark. It's okay. Yes, sir. Uh, my show today. I'm driving. Uh, that's yes. how it works. But yeah. uh, this first topic, you you bullied me. You, Did you I? emotionally bullied me. You said I want to talk a little politics and sports. So not at all. Not did not bully me at all. I think there's a this is a good time to do this on any number of occasions. The Colin Kaepernick kneeling thing has come up because of the things that are going on, and also I think we've talked about it before. Politics somewhat play uh, into people's responses to the baseball players who have uh, expressed their displeasure with what uh, the owners and management of Major League Baseball presented to them as far as money to restart the season. So I I hand it over to you, my friend. How do you want to start this conversation of politics and sports? Well, I want to bring up the horrible situation in Minneapolis. And I and, and you I used to live in Minneapolis, so I want to just let people know. Can I give you some breaking news? Actually, this is legitimately breaking news. The I police officer has been arrested. He's been charged with third-degree yep. murder and manslaughter. Yeah. Which is which also is a, a very good thing. Yes. Uh, my sister now currently lives in Minneapolis with her family. She's been there for over 25 years. Uh, and I lived there for, for four years. Um, and I will say that because we live in the age we live in with social media and with cameras everywhere uh, that really there is no room for anyone to have any other opinion on this than it was an egregious display of abuse of authoritarian abuse Mm -hmm. uh, for, I don't know, he was accused of writing a bad check or something like that. So even with all of the I don't know, cottage industries that are out there that always, you know, after three or four days of the initial outrage, kind of go into the character of the person that's been the victim, kind of try and smear that, try and make everything look a little bit better. The cottage industry that was out there, uh, you know, against Black Lives Matter, with the All Lives Matter, with the Blue Lives Matter, with with all of the all of the political back and forth that has usually accompanied these things. Um, and, and it didn't help that we had a black president, to tell you the truth, because everyone felt like they were being lectured in terms of race relations in this country. The people that, you know, in my opinion, don't get it, felt like they were being lectured. Uh, the, the fact that there's a Republican president in there who has certainly uh, endured some slings and arrows about being less than sensitive to uh, other races and his Justice Department and all of his minions on Fox News, they have all, they're all lockstep with everyone saying that this is an egregious authoritarian abuse by this cop or these two cops. And, um, and that's a great thing. You know, as unfortunate as this thing is, it's a great thing. And as unfortunate as the looting and the rioting is, it's great that everyone's on the same page about that. But it brings it back to what we talked about before. And it's like, On some level, you can't justify looting and rioting and burning. You can't do that. But you have to, on some level, get the ideas like we we tried kneeling, y'all. Yeah. And you called us thugs then. Yeah. You called us thugs then. 
So what are we going to do now? Granted, obviously, you don't do that, but it's. But another argument, Mark, and I hate to cut you off, but another argument is if you looked at the protesters who showed up to protest uh, the the stay-at-home orders, showed up with AR-15s and showed up completely um, armed, obviously, and that's incredibly intimidating, and there was no escalation there. Now, many people will say, well, that's because they, you know— you know, they themselves didn't escalate it. But I would also argue that the authorities all, didn't escalate be, because they weren't breaking any laws. Well, why? I'm not going to get on the side of the guys carrying the big guns. I think that's a foolish right. thing to do. But yeah, there's no there was no way that the police could intervene with that because it wasn't against the law. But weren't weren't didn't uh, they tear gas peaceful protesters before the looting yes. started? That they did, and that and that. And I don't. That is I don't. I don't know. I mean, I haven't. I haven't gotten that from any source that I feel like I could could believe. Is that true that they went in and started tear gassing people before? That, well, there's video of them. There's video of them actually pepper spraying people who are just standing off to the side of the road, um, and uh, with what appears to be little or no provocation. Still, still, there. It's it's we're we we could be guilty of doing the thing that we shouldn't do. I don't know the facts behind all of that stuff. I haven't seen anything there. That still has to flesh out. That's the beauty of the video of, of George, George Floyd and this police officer is that there is zero doubt that that was unnecessary and that that guy needs to be for lack of a better term, taken, taken down. Well, I'm, He's got to go. I'm not sure. I'm not sure blocking the entrance to uh, hospitals is legal. And we saw that, and we saw the the doctors that had to stand out there and uh, prevent them from trying to block people from getting into hospitals. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know the legality of that, but that's obviously not something I'm going to sit here and defend either. Right. It's just the i. It's just the overall thing, Jeff, that a guy who passes a bad check can have that kind of treatment, and people out there with AR-15s are left alone. Well, it, it, it is systemic in the criminal justice system. And I will give Trump credit and the Republicans for signing the criminal justice bill. That was the first steps or whatever they call it to, to, you know, to, to releasing people that had had nonviolent uh, criminal pasts and that were locked up for Mark. Though Here's, the, here's years. the thing though. The, the cops had every right to be on the scene for that. They did not have the right to kill the guy. Those are two completely different things. We're, we're, getting into a, we're getting into a too broad of an argument here. He passed a bad check. That's illegal. The cops were called by the store owner. And it was, was it a bad check or was it a counterfeit bill? Regardless, what, there, was a, there was a reason to call the authorities in to the situation. The situation escalated in a way it shouldn't have. And something terrible happened, and the person that perpetrated that terrible thing now needs to be taken care of, which it looks like it's going to happen. But you can't argue that the police not showing up and and dispersing the people that had the AR-15s at the in Michigan, that's not the same thing. Those guys are not breaking a law. There's no reason for the police to intervene there. There's not, I'm not talking about intervening. I'm talking about even general presence or general, the general vibe of that in terms of law enforcement. You don't need four cops to enforce a bad check. Let's start there. 
you and you actually you, you actually this you actually do all you, the time you, you actually do have to have four cops there though mark because there are two cops in a car they show up part of the protocol is you call in backup and the other two police officers show up. That is on a traffic stop. That's they do that every time. You see the issue. The issue here, as I see it, though, is 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 yes. And, you know, all individual. None of these things happen in a uh, in a vacuum. And, and they are different. And and let's just say we all agree the police officers have difficult jobs. And we we will uh, we will all say that the pro- I'm sure the vast majority of police officers uh, act um, uh, responsibly. Right. But, but this is the, my look- my brother-in-law is a police officer in uh, D.C. who is in a almost entirely black community, and I would never expect him to do anything terrible. But I do have to have the fear that because we've now flipped the page and all cops are bad, it seems. I have to worry about his safety. I don't think there's any I don't think there's anybody's ever argued that all cops are bad. And that's the thing that's always done on that on on the right is that, oh, now all cops are bad. It's not it. In fact, I just said that that's not the case. But we have a preponderance of evidence that there is an unequal system of justice in this country to people of color. It. And I, I just I posted something on my personal Facebook page that said this. I will argue politics with anybody all day long. I will get heated. I'll say things I probably regret. And then I'll rush to see if I can pick up the next tab. But here's where I will not. If you do not accept that white privilege exists in this country, then I will not have a discussion with you because it's essentially having a discussion with the, with an animated or a fictitious character. I do. do I do believe that there that there is a privilege to being white in this country. Good. I just don't understand how. That is it can be to blame for for like I, I'm white. You're white. Mark's white. Are we to blame for white privilege? How do we handle this? Do we give over what we have for that? I don't understand how that's a thing. And yes, you're right. There is a disparaging amount of things that get out there where the police are attacking these people of color. It's not even only black people, African-Americans, Hispanics, all of these things. But if you look at the statistics, white cops shoot white guys also. So, I mean, and I think it happens even more if criminals are criminals. If the police pull you over for no reason and you get shot, which I admit has and probably will continue to happen, then you have an argument. But if you are out committing a crime, and the police show up and things escalate that can't be looked at as the that there's some form of privilege or a lack of privilege i know but the the evidence points to the preponderance of white guys that are unarmed don't get shot that's not true mark actually if you look at this that unarmed actually, unarmed actually unarmed unarmed white men wise. get shot by the police more than unarmed black men Percentage wise, I'm talking about. What, what, do, no, you no wise? what do you mean percentage wise? What do you mean percentage wise? You're just going with specific numbers. Because there are more you, white people than there are black people percentage wise. There's 88 percent white, and I mean there's 12 percent black in this country. I, I I don't understand how that can be an argument, though. I, I mean it's the 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 fact of the matter is that we don't want anybody unarmed being shot by police. Here's so well, instead okay, of let, instead of making a racial thing, we need to make it a being unarmed and shot thing. That's be, but. See, there's the problem, Jeff. 
as, as I see it, and I've said this before as well, I think the problem in this country is that there are a lot of people who find discussions of racism more disturbing than actual racism. And the minute that it's brought up, then they say, oh, you, know, you always bring up racism. You have to accept that it's there. And that's what I said about the white privilege. And I know you you you, you believe that. And maybe and we maybe we're going to differ on where we see that white privilege. But I, but I think it's illustrated in this way. Dylan Roof shot. What was it? Nine people and killed nine people in a church. Yes. Yeah. In, in South Carolina. Yes. The police picked him up, took him to Burger King for lunch before they before they booked him. Yeah. And, and you I'm know, sorry. Eric Garner stole cigarettes or something like that. And, and I get and that they, it's South Carolina him. and we can't expect much from them because they've never been on the right side of anything in history, including the American Revolution. But that says as much for the guy who shot all the people in Colorado. Eric Garner was selling cigarettes. Uh, somebody passed a bad check. It, there are studies that are done that African-American children and killed children of color get less painkillers when they go to hospitals with emergencies. I'm I'm sorry. It's inherent. It, it you look just look at Reconstruction. Start there. Do a little bit of homework. Look at the laws that were passed immediately following Reconstruction to try to put people of color back into uh, essentially the, the bonds of slavery without uh, slavery being legal. It, it's very easy. Human beings have a tendency to be uh, clannish. That's with a C, everyone, and <laughs> to surround themselves with uh, you know their people. Um, uh, often it's just uh, a locale thing, but the easiest thing to look at to see if somebody is in some way different is their race. And far too many people still see the pigment of someone's skin as a and as, as a, a, an inherent di- difference. And somebody whose humanity is less important. I'm sorry, they Let, do. Let's look. Let's look at the stats. I just looked. I just looked up the alleged stats. In terms of unarmed whites getting killed, now, now we're none of us are going to argue that the militarization and the everything else going on with with uh, police forces right now, that those things, this this uh, increased aggression. And again, this is obviously with a caveat that the vast majority of them are amazing people. I, you know, I always have a problem with with right wing people who are all law and order, but when it comes to you know public service unions of which cops are part they don't want they they disagree that that public service unions should have a right to collectively bargain because they're because it's my tax dollars which is a joke do i have the right to 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 say i don't want you to give boeing that much money for your military industrial complex of course i don't so you don't have a right to say you shouldn't have you shouldn't have the right to collectively bargain as a cop that's but it that's neither here nor there i'm a big supporter of police but obviously the lack of transparency the militarization the the misplaced incentives we've seen all that about stats those are problems in all police forces and affect all people white and black or white and people of color but in terms of unarmed people that have been killed by the cops the same number of whites have uh, as blacks and there's six times as many whites as there are blacks jeff that matters that totally matters. The, the, the difference in proportion, it's disproportionate. There's, there, every stat out there says that. And race does matter in this. And we, we, can, we, we, don't, we can take two, two separate thoughts in our head. We can talk about the militarization and the, the, the misplaced incentives and everything else we want to talk about in terms of what's happened to police forces and how they affect all people. And we can also say that there is 
some systemic racism in there. For whatever reason, we could trace it back to all kinds of things. But that that but that there was a reason people were kneeling comes back to that. There's a reason people were kneeling, and they were called thugs, just like the looters are called. Well, thugs. let me let me ask and you. That to me is the issue. Let, let me let me ask you this question though. Do you have any clue? So systemic racism. Okay, agreed that things are set up differently in this country. We'll we'll agree on that. How do we fix this? What do we do to to make the kneelers in the NFL happy? I mean, again. If if the point is to make massive amounts of change, then I want to know what it is that we can do, because one thing that I am not willing to do is say, OK, there's white privilege. So I want you guys to villainize me to make things better for you. I want that. I don't want that. So I'm not going to say that. I want to know what the solution is to make this go away, because clearly that is not becoming part of the conversation. I've never, ever, ever heard Colin Kaepernick, Ed Reed, anybody who knelt, give me any explanation as to what it is that we need to do. What I have heard is that we need to flip the script to where Black power. Everybody, the, the the black man needs to be in charge. We don't want that either. What do we need to do to meet in the middle where everybody can get along? And the one thing that we need to do is understand that people are going to have prejudices. It's a part of of human the the human psyche. There are going to be prejudices. We cannot make that go away. How do we change things in this country? Because we have to behave. Now, now we, we can go on and on about the argument about what Kaepernick and Reed called for or didn't call for, but plenty of people out there have called for just different training, different behaviors. You know, there are so many examples, including Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, Republican yeah. senator, yeah. who on the Senate floor talked about essentially getting pulled over because he's black. Yes, driving yes. while black. That is, is a not problem. a problem. We we uh, we that is a problem. We should not have driving while black. Then, then we train. Then, then part of what you train, you just change your behavior. I don't care how you think. I don't care if it's part of your soul or, or part of your psyche that it, you're, you're naturally prejudiced. I understand what you're saying. We're all that way it, to, to some people. I agree. But your behavior doesn't have to reflect it. I know. Take and I don't, I, don't, I don't think any sane person on any side of any argument would agree with you that we need to stop pulling people over. Unless something is going wrong, you shouldn't be able to just pull someone over. This used to be the law. It changed. I feel like in the 90s, you used to not be able to be pulled over for for nothing without, without probable cause. Right. But being black in a Mercedes is probable cause. It's not, case. though. It's not, though. And so if, but, if, but the if problem is it, it exists. So, I, you know, to your point. So so let's so so we can have a, an honest conversation here. So yeah. if a, a gentleman is pulled over for no reason or even like a bashed headlight, if that happens, then there needs to be an investigation of that officer and it needs to be just as much of a crime as anything else. Like if I if I 
did something to to uh, infringe on your civil liberties, I could be in trouble for that. There's no reason why a police officer shouldn't be under the same exact scrutiny as any other citizen in the world. I think that is where we get into these problems where it is sort of an us against them. But which came first, the chicken or the egg? I'm I'm a kid who listened to N.W.A. when I was a kid. There's a song called Fuck the Police. So it's a I great mean, song, by the way, <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a pretty good song. And, and Cypress Hill had a song, Pigs. They're right. both they're musically they're they are both great songs. But what do you expect to start happening when you use well, that as your anthem? Do you expect the cops to go, hey, you know what? Yeah, fuck us. Fuck here, us. Well, yeah. No one is ever going to say fuck me. Now, here's 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 the issue. And it really comes down to for me is it's you, you've got to get because we have people who won't admit that there's white privilege and won't admit that these issues even exist. And until you get the, the majority and not just a presumptive majority, the majority of people to believe that. But a white director can make a movie about police brutality or make a movie about uh, that essentially says, fuck the police and no one has a problem. But a bunch of guys from South Central do a do a, a video about it and now all of a sudden they're inciting riot i don't think art i, I here my issue with that with everyone i, I, I don't art I, doesn't lead it follows i i don't i yeah i don't i don't think that the song fuck the police is came from a bad place i mean the the story behind it is they got harassed for oh, no yeah. reason standing out in front of that that's the pro that those police should have been looked into under right. my uh, under my rule of law that i believe in those guys they should have been able to get on the phone and call down to the precinct and say hey we were standing in front of the studio where we're recording music our our jewish producers here he can attest to this you guys need right. to look into this and those guys need to be dealt with completely agree with that and i, do I agree think, and i do think that art mirrors life it doesn't art doesn't necessarily lead and it's usually art is uh, so and people will go oh art of course it is you write song uh movies agreed uh, it, it, generally that's somebody telling a story that they they didn't just make things up out of whole cloth but if mm. but if but if if your battle cry turns into fuck these other people yeah. you're you're going to not get a good but uh, it's it's the same as the you know the Buddhist priest who burned himself uh, uh, who self immolated in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. It, it the guy who did it on this uh, wall in front of the Pentagon protesting. You know, gets it gets to be a point. Uh, the guys who dumped all the tea into the harbor in Boston back then. It gets to the point where if you're not being heard, it just makes you know the squeaky wheel. What what do you do next? And and to the point. And I think one of the reasons that this discussion has come up so much with us is that we know a lot of people who are just so anti Colin Kaepernick, and uh, it's. And, I, and you can argue that he did not well articulate why he was kneeling and all I, of those I do things. argue that, but. To vilify him and to keep him out of the NFL, and I will, I will, I'll mud wrestle anybody who tells me that uh, Colin Kaepernick's out of the NFL because he can't play in the yeah, NFL. He's, you he's are not going to tell he's me bla he's blacklisted. That that's yeah, the, to, to argue that's kind of crazy. If if people if teams go three deep, there are ninety six quarterbacks in the NFL, and you ain't going to tell me that all ninety six of them are better than Colin Kaepernick. It's just and, not. And, and I think John, if if I can. Uh, have one last word that, I, and I promise I won't talk after this. But that's the thing. It's like, okay, maybe singing a song saying "fuck the police" isn't the best way, but it was peaceful. 
Alt- no one wants to hear that. No one wants to respond to that. But guess what? The ultimate peaceful protest, which is kneeling in a form of respect while the national anthem is playing, somehow everyone had a problem with that as if he was saying, fuck the police. And to equate those things and to call that's, him and his like thugs, to me, exacerbated this problem. And to me, that's where I have a – that's where I – that's where my buttons are pushed. I, because I, you had a good point. It's like no one's going to respond to fuck the police. So – so what do they have to do for crying out loud? Well, if well it's, it's for the funny national because national anthem doesn't work. It's funny because you say, what do they have to do? I don't think they should have to do anything. I think that everyone should agree on the fact that we have a problem and we need to fix it. So that's once we start having a discussion about the problem and not taking sides and not saying this person has to give up something to make things better for this person. I think that's when you start to have an honest argument that can that can have results because I don't disagree, I don't disagree with that. But I'm going to I want to I want to say this about that, because I, I, I know that you're uh, one of the issues would be reparations uh, for slavery and that you would be opposed to. Absolutely. Those. And, I'm opposed to that. And, and, and I will and I would be in favor of those completely and i will and, and i will articulate why because we have systematically uh jobbed the system now this with the caveat that we've also done it over the last 40 years to anyone in the middle class but that's another story altogether um we've denied economic opportunity to people for uh, over 400 years first as slaves and then with jim crow laws and then um the over incarceration criminal justice system so yeah i i I gotta be really honest i do think we owe i do think we owe something to try to try to level the playing field to the point where it's you know i i there's a there's a there's a uh there's a and i'm going to be really careful here I'm, i'm going to navigate this carefully there's a subtle racism in um it's not my fault there's a subtle I, level of racism. I don't think that I don't think there's any racism in it. it's not my fault. It is not my fault. It isn't. You benefited from the system. I have not. And have you were born white in the 20th century in America. I assure you, you benefited from the system and male. And but but yeah, I, I too. Li- listen, there are white people in the Virginia mountains who would argue with you that they have not had any more privilege than someone from Watts. And again, they're not uh, is it is is the idea of reparations. How is that taking that and money? By from the way, you? by 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 the well, where the re- where the repara- where are the reparations coming from? Well, there'll be there'll be federal federal funds that won't pay for other things like I don't know obsolete military systems that. Uh, well, how how about how about this? I'm completely corporate I, subsidies. I I have I have a way that we can that we can argue this. I'm completely cool with reparations too, but I think we have to get rid of the social welfare system. Because no one's going to need it anymore if we're giving out these reparations to anybody that has not well, been given the opportunity. First of all, we don't even know what those are, and that's and that make, makes that's ludicrous. It makes absolutely no sense at, at all because there's still the social safety net doesn't just help people of color. The social safety net ha- helps a lot of people, and and a forty year attempt by the right to destroy unions has made the social safety net even more important because they have uh, they have taken away things such as you don't have you don't have uh, uh, any retirement other than whatever you have invested. in. I agree. I, I agree with you. That's terrible. By the way, the stock market. 
I think it should go. But second of all, you're talking about unionizing. The The fact of the matter is that the reason why the right is against unionizing is because it was learned that when you collectively bargain and you give away these, you, you, you meet in the middle for these things and the unions become so strong that at a certain point you have to start giving, 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 that runs out. And that is a big problem in a lot of places where the unions were were strong well I, i'm not i'm not and i'm not arguing that the union no no one's perfect and remember the union is just it's it's the workers collectively getting together and making decisions and there's always going to but be it leadership. isn't anymore right but, but it you, isn't you anymore. Get, well there are no unions anymore reagan did away with those uh with the when he destroyed i'm a member, the of, a, I'm a member of a union workers i'm a member of a union there but there are very few i'm a workers. member of a union and a right to work state Yes, I know, but there are very few, and as as am I, uh, there are very few union members in uh, comparatively in this country, and it, that's consistently gone down over the last four years. But it, but it, but the reality of it is, is because the unions became a thing that could no longer be considered the workers getting together to unionize not all unions. it turned it turned into almost a corporation i mean the ones that were groundbreaking and that were the were the ones that were being modeled after were the well, auto workers not- union was the original one you want to talk about one of the most corrupt things of all time the auto workers union henry ford yeah because i mean it was he, he, and he, but here's the thing it's just that if if if, if the the pendulum is always going to swing one way or the one way or the other, and uh, it it's just swung, in my estimation, too far to another side. And I think you can. And just getting back to the reparation, then we we got to get out of this. I don't <laughs> know. I think we should stick with this. this. I bet. I bet you. I bet you. We gained a lot of listeners talking about this instead of sports at this time. You probably probably have. Probably. Um, but uh, you. Uh, you, your your reparations could be uh, and again I don't you know we all argue like we all think everybody's we're not going to hand everybody a million dollars and go here's your reparations I don't know what those would be there are smarter people than me because math's involved who figure those sort of things out Mark is so fed up with this discussion already you could just no, see him no 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 his, I thought this was going to be all him the funny thing I mean, is that before the show like, oh my god before wait, the show and in going to it. this well you knew that I was going to be the other side well, of, of course, this argument of course um <laughs> But I, I didn't. I, think, I didn't realize we were going to talk about union membership from from this. I didn't realize it. Well, would it go all there. it all it all goes in together. I mean, it really does go. You want to talk about mentioned. white privilege? The, the yes, unions and, are pretty white uh, privilegey. I think in the end, Jeff, is that to your point? Why don't we just solve it and see that it's an egregious wrong thing, and yeah. then to, and then do it? But we wouldn't even have been made aware of this without protests in the past, without. Without the athletes at in 1968 putting the black power symbol up there, without uh, you know the Colin Kaepernick's of the world, without the Martin Luther Kings of the world peacefully protesting. Hey, it it to your point. If we leave it up to us to just right the wrongs, it ain't gonna happen. Hey, Mark. Pal. Here's the funny thing. I don't disagree with rioting and with looting and all of that stuff. It makes a great point. My problem is that it gets compared to guys protesting in front of a capital with guns. The, the, the fact of the matter is both of those things are good to get your word out. This country was born on it. We said we said we don't want England anymore. We didn't say fuck England. We said we're just going to go ahead and put your tea over here. 
and 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 I would and here's here's my thing. I don't disagree with you. I have no problem with those guys going uh, and 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 protesting. I mean, I think it's you know carrying. I have some issues with being able to carry semi-automatic weapons around. That's another uh, discussion. Yeah, uh, those another those are great differences in opinion. Right. That yeah. that have you can't say there's a solution for either one of those things. You and I cannot be both made happy on that. Right. With this exactly. other thing, we both can be made happy. Right. I, I, I agree with that. But what I what I think uh, what we can agree uh, what we can agree on we have to agree on and what we should try to solve is the inequities in how those protests are dealt with by authorities. And by the powers that be. So, so you would agree that if it's true that the guys came in and started tear gassing protesters that weren't doing anything wrong other than standing there and protesting, then those guys need to be arrested yeah, and, and taken and to I court. Go, I, I would go further, and I would say that um, if if a police officer commits a murder and and while he's working and he is convicted of a murder, and I you know most the I'd say the vast majority of police shootings are probably justified and not murder, but we see that there are also many that aren't. Uh, they should be held even more responsible than the average person because not only are they not only are they uh, you know is it is it a terrible I, I thing? I think I think you're going down a road though where you're going to put up resistance and there's no reason to have any resistance here. We can be happy. They should go to jail just the same as Joe Schmo should. If they yeah, murder if someone, they need to go to jail with a weapon to to protect someone, and they turn and they turn around and they kill the people that they're to protect. Then I'm sorry, that's you know that's. That's the bus driver who's drunk. Our freedoms entrust John to not go out and commit crimes. And if you go out and commit a crime, you've been entrusted with not committing a crime. I think that everybody should be treated the exact same way. If a cop murders somebody, he should go to court. He should get his day in court. If he's found guilty, he should get the same penalization as anybody else. A cop that gets found with weed should get the same a cop that gets None. found with a hooker should get the same every None. every everything should be equal yeah okay <clears throat> all right good topic good job everyone all right all right that was, that was outstanding that was highly uh, spirited so how about them mets yeah it was it was. We even we even threw some sports in there. But we need the next progressive trivia clues, Mark. What what's more important than the next progressive trivia clues? Nothing. nothing Never has important. progressive trivia been led into differently than it has today. Hey, maybe maybe yes. people will respond now. Good lord. Exactly. Exactly. We the have the right leading returns. It's like a home improvement lead-in. Okay. Top five pick. These are the first four clues. Heisman finalist, NFL MVP, eleven plus years in the league. Two head coaches. 11-plus years means it's around 11. All right, three-time Pro Bowler. That's exactly right. Five more interceptions than touchdowns thrown in the postseason. That's also right. It could be one TD and six INTs. It could be four TDs and nine INTs. It's five more. In over 150 games, check this stat out, in over 150 games has roughly a 600 winning percentage as a starter. We do know that he's a quarterback at this point in time. In over 150 games, has roughly a 600 winning percentage as a starter. That's amazing. And 165 plus touchdowns thrown. 165 plus touchdowns thrown. All right? Wow. People? Okay. How you guys doing? How you feeling, Jeff? I, yeah, Not ready to guess, right? No. I, you know, what's funny is I feel like this should be a no-brainer with all of these accomplishments that this guy has, but I'm coming up short. It's because it's one of those guys who's a little bit lost to history, and it's it, when you look into it, it's amazing 
you know, a top five pick, a Heisman finalist, and an MVP. And he's not just, oh, it's got to be one of these five guys. Yeah. They're always those guys. Right, right. That's, that's interesting. Isn't that fun, though? It's fun. That's why progressive trivia can be fun. That is. All right. Now, our final topic of the day uh, is uh, we, we, with the preponderance of sports documentaries that are really at the at the everyone's talking about. They're at the four these sports documentaries, The Last Dance, which people went on about for far, far too long. And now yeah. people coming out and saying, eh, they need an 11th episode. Oh, we don't know about this. And, Right. And then the Lance Armstrong documentary, which I uh, have not watched yet. I've recorded the first episode and I want to watch the second. And I ran into a friend of mine who uh, she was the one who actually kind of got me interested in the whole sort of cycling thing and knew a lot about it. And and, and she had watched it and, and her boyfriend and they were just talking about how remarkable it is. And I also watched a little as I was recording it, Mark Ferreira. And I tell you, Lance Armstrong may be the simple, most interesting sports figure in the history of mankind at this point if you just listen to him talk and if you start talking in terms of the narcissism necessary to become great and it's just it's remarkable but we will talk more about that after next week mark after we uh buddy dive in. the uh, he, a heel turn that vince mcmahon couldn't even have written with with him <laughs> It's it's he's it's remarkable to listen to the guy and 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 in the same time, I I sort of like him and I absolutely hate him all at the same time. It's it's hard to not like a guy that that you know has cancer is yeah. uh, likely never to be able to do his thing again. Then he becomes the best ever at it. And here's the yeah. other thing for for cycling and you know you see all these the, the, the people who are the and this whole discussion is not going to be about this documentary or Lance Armstrong for that matter. You see all these people that have such a black eye and he ruined the sport. He set the the sport back. He's still the face of the sport. Yeah. And he drives yeah. ratings more than, you know, oh, Giuseppe Zangara looks like he's going to do really well at the hill climb. And people don't know who any of these folks are. But the reason that the, the Tour de France has become a television show that people who would never, ever pay attention anymore are all because of Lance Armstrong. Yeah, so there's no just, doubt. It's just so interesting. But it brought up an interesting question. And that is, what sports documentary would you like to see made? What's the sports story that you would like to see made? There have been so many, and I think of all the good ones that I've seen recently. There's a U.S. Olympic Hockey 1980 uh, documentary that's done from the Russian perspective. Oh, that's awesome. Which is, oh, and it's fascinating. You would love it. And, you know, a number of those guys ended up playing uh, with the Red Wings on oh, yeah. the Red yeah, Army yeah. line for the Red Wings yeah. and made it to the NHL. And uh, that obviously such a famous story. But Mark Ferreira... I throw it out to you. Yes. What sports, what San Francisco centric sports documentary would you like to see? Well, I'll tell you, because I, I was given such a hard time about that in our last show. I was uh, pretty uh, specifically trying to avoid that. But I will say the first one I came up with does have a San Francisco bent to it, although it was. Um, uh, it's a New York documentary, and it's about Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, and Duke Snyder. And we know all about, you know, the, the famous song that was written. We know, we certainly know what that was like. But to, to focus on those three guys, to focus on those center fielders in the 50s who were the best center fielders in the game and all in New York City and all of them in all of the World Series that decade, 
I think would be a lot of fun to really to really get into that and to really, you know, because Mickey uh, Willie Mays never partied, never drank, you know, and of course Mickey Mantle, that's all he did. I think, <laughs> you know, really, I mean, I think he had a flask in the dugout, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think that was uncommon in the '40s, though. I got to be honest with you. Everybody had a, a pack of cigars and a flask. So that's one. The next one would be the Big Red Machine, because I don't know if there's been a documentary that talks about, like, from 1970 to 77, that little era in baseball history where the Reds and that team, they won two World Series. They got to four, I believe. Yeah, they got to four. They got to the playoffs almost every year. This was a dominant, dominant team. And I don't see enough stuff about Johnny Bench, about Joe Morgan. I really don't. Tony Perez. I don't see a lot of, even Sparky Anderson, I don't see a lot of uh, documentaries that focus on those guys. And then the last one would be uh, the same era, but Philadelphia as a sports town. In 1972, Sports Illustrated literally laid out the fact that Philadelphia is the worst sports town in the history of time. The 76ers had just come off a nine-win season. The God, that was impossible. had just come off of a 54-win season. The Eagles, I think, won three games, and the Flyers finished under 500. Now, they would win the Stanley Cup back-to-back in a couple of years, but that's what that Deck, that's what that doc would be about, because the Eagles would get to the Super Bowl. The the uh, the Phillies would win a Super Bowl and get to the playoffs, you know, four times. You know, I got to see that documentary would win, you know, and yep, it, it, by World the Series. end of the decade. That was a great <laughs> sports town. Anyway, I'd love to see that. Yes. You, you, you inadvertently said the Phillies won the Super Bowl. And as Jeff said, now that's the documentary I really want to see. Uh, but uh, now that's interesting because I have one that uh, I actually had a couple that sort of mirror that. My first one that I thought of, and this just because is I like a documentary on the owners in Major League Baseball colluding not to improve their teams through the period of collusion because it's touched on. In uh, it's touched on in Ken Burns baseball series, which I bring up a lot, which is a great documentary. But they went through a period of time where uh, to keep salaries down, they essentially made an agreement with each other not to improve their teams. Um, and I think that would be interesting. Also, one that plays in marking this was the uh, uh, same era that you were talking about. I would love to see a multi part documentary on Charlie Finley's A's of the early 70s. Yeah, because I think. That has everything. I know there's a book, and I just keep waiting for it to be uh, uh, discounted on Kindle because, again, I'll never work in my chosen field again, so I have to be a little bit economically fiscal, fiscally responsible, I should say. Um, but I think the the characters involved in that, the other things that it plays into, which is the uh, free agency in baseball, and Catfish Hunter at, at one time was the most famous free agent signing. Uh, so there, there. I just think that lends itself. And Finley himself, who widely reviled for any number of reasons, but essentially the man responsible for the designated hitter. So that in and of itself should have had him sentenced to death. Um, but I just think that would be an amazing story. Yeah, I agree. And that's very, there's very similar to the Big Red Machine. It's taking a era, a five, six, seven year period of time for one team. 
And I don't know what it is about the 70s, John, and it's probably because I, you know, grew up in the 70s. But that that time is is fascinating to me. And uh, I think and of course, the A's were right across the bay. And I love despite my mom's protestations, I loved the A's. Yeah, because the Giants, you know, won a won a division in 71 and were atrocious for the next essentially 16 years. Right. When they won another division and didn't even get to the World Series, you know, so uh I loved that A's team. I, Reggie Jackson I loved, and Joe Rudy, and Sal and they were, And really, Mark, they were a more interesting organization than the Giants for a long time. Because if people forget, Billy Martin went back to the A's, and they yep. became... And then once Tony LaRusso got there. So they really actually have a much more storied history than the Giants. Well, certainly in the 70s and the 80s, they were much more colorful. There's no doubt about it. Billy Martin, Tony LaRusso, yes. And then those... those uh amazing A's in, in the 70s. I mean, and the pitching staff, Vita Blue, Ken Holtzman, Blue Moon Odom. I mean, the, these Raleigh Fingers. Catfish. I mean, Catfish. Catfish Hunter. I mean, this was a loaded team. And I didn't even, ma- I don't even think I mentioned Reggie Jackson. You know, right. it's just Oh, by nuts. the way. It's just nuts. Yeah. And it's really fun. And they beat the Dodgers, which I loved. The, the series against the Reds, speaking of, you know, those two docks would converge in the 72 World oh, yeah. Series. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was a, gr- a, a great World Series. And um, and then the one against the Mets, for crying out loud, who were only four games above 500, had this miracle run at the end of the season, beat the Reds inexplicably in the playoffs, who had won 20 more games than they did during the regular season, and brought the A's to seven games. You know, great, great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that those documentaries. But again, I, I did the first one that came to mind was the owner's collusion, because I think it would do uh, yeah. wonders for the discussions we often have about people want to change about sports is the salaries of the players. Watch a documentary on the owners colluding not to improve their team as they charged you more to come in the stadium every year to watch the baseball team, knowing full well that they hadn't done everything they could to put a winner on the field. I think it just, you know, in the in the ongoing battle of billionaires and millionaires, it shows you who really can put their foot on the scale. And they were lucky that they got caught. And in fact, there were commissioners and league presidents who were involved in it as well. I mean, it should have been a much larger story than it was. Yeah, I would love to see that, or maybe even a, a, a you know, a fictionalized history of that as well, an actual movie or a, or a series that would be a lot of fun to to see all of those bad actors that you're that you're talking about, yeah. and 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 part of that. Part of the bad faith that still exists in Major League Baseball, Max Scherzer just texted, I believe, yesterday or, or tweeted mm-hmm. yesterday, you know, about this about this back and forth with the salaries for the for a Major League Baseball for this shortened season, which we've talked about at infinitum, and everyone knows our opinion on that. But he says, listen, we've already renegotiated once. We're not going to renegotiate again unless there's transparency. He's giving them an option. To your point, Jeff, he's actually advocating a solution and not just blaming the other side. And that's the thing. Just show us your books, people. Just show us your books. I mean, what's the what's the fucking problem? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll mean, see what the markup is on that beer. You'll see what that markup is on that twelve fifty eight ounce beer they sell you. They don't want that. The real so, the, the, they've got they've got to figure out a way to 
admit that they can afford to pay more than what they've offered now. I mean, it's ridiculous, this last offer. Well, and, and yeah, and it's just, and, it, and it, I think it's just a case of where, you know, people, uh, you know, people at the, at the, at the very apex who have, like we've talked about before, generation upon generational money in a situation like this, you, you're going to have to give a little more. I'm sorry. You are going to have to give in a little more because it's just the model won't hold if you don't. And you've got to play if you're the if you're the owners. And I think you would you guys would agree with me on this It's one of the problems with American business is, you know, looking to the next quarter. You've got to play the long game now. I agree. Not come into this situation before. And that's for everyone. But I don't I, the players the also. Yeah. It. Yeah. I don't think the, the owners are doing it. Either. You've got to look at the long game and where your sport is and where it's headed and look at this as this is an anomaly. This is not something anyone could have seen coming. And I, I, I think, uh, you know, it, I, I would have to say I am less optimistic that baseball will happen now than I have been for the last month. You're not an optimistic guy, John. Let's I'm face not, it. Terribly, You're not, You're not. You, you err guys. on the pessimistic side sort of with everything. Well, you set yourself up for failure. He's, You're he's, expecting everything he's very good. optimistic about being a pessimist. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm optimistic that I'm not going to see the bright side of any of this at this point. But I am. I'm a li- I, I mean, that's just, that's my honest feeling after reading some of the I, things that I've read. Yeah. And, and we spent a lot of time that we're not going to spend as much time on that. And maybe thankfully so than we then we could, because it's going to be a story again next week when we when we get together again. But I, I just I begin to worry that uh, we, baseball, which we thought would lead the way and which often does. May not be able to. It may be the NBA leading the way and the NHL. Um, Maybe the sports that come back um, for for any any number of reasons. I, I just I, I I hope everyone to that point, players and owners, and administrators, whomever, look at the long game involved yeah. here. Don't yeah. think about this season. Everybody's making uh, 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 sacrifices for yes. this season. Yep. Everyone and and you you want to because and and to uh to tom glavin's point even if it's totally the owner's fault that mm-hmm. the season doesn't happen the players will be blamed and they, they need to remember that and think about that and if the if the owners do step up and and uh give them the transparency they want then i think the players should then in turn step up and look at the long game and make some asks for concessions for 2022 which is when the next contract happens and take the high road this time around because regardless john and we, this is just how it works in this country regardless if the owners are a hundred percent at fault the players are going to be blamed and it's going to be as ugly as it was yeah. if not more so in 94 because this time there's a pandemic and you couldn't get out of your you know you couldn't get your head out of your ass long enough right. to think of the big picture where people are sick and losing work it's a it's a massive crisis in the country and you know you couldn't even step up for that so and and and, and other other thing is back when uh, you know baseball canceled the world series we were in the middle of the nfl season at that point uh, college football and yeah it was incredibly disappointing and stuff people could go out for dinner with their friends i mean there were all kinds of things people could do now you're looking at a situation where you would be commanding you know everybody's looking to it because they don't have other things it would give you a chance to sacrifice a little and be a leader um for in, in 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 incredibly trying times. All right, uh, uh, one more thing I, I did want to say. I want a multi-part documentary on Pete Rozelle too. I want a multi-part documentary on Pete Rozelle because I think he may be the most important sports figure of the 20th century. Yeah, 
in a lot a of major ways. argument. You have a major argument for that. I mean, outside of again, Babe Ruth or Jackie Robinson sure. or Branch Rickey. But know. I would say that his because of uh, what he did with uh, revenue sharing and yeah. um, the merger, dealing yep. with the merger, television, escalating revenue, revenue, what he was able to do with uh, what was originally called the AFL NFL championship game into the Super Bowl. I think his the ripple effects of that affected every sport. No, I agree. So I agree. than a Babe Ruth. There is a great argument to be made that he is the most you know, influential sports figure of the 20th century, and I would love a multi-part documentary on him as well. I would love that. That's a All good right. one. There, there we are. All right, now we've got to move on to progressive trivia. We're going to try to get through the rest of the show here in a, in a timely manner, and we apologize for running late. And I have to actually go to the grocery store. Uh, so I gotta, I gotta put on my series of masks and, uh, and armor. How many, how many do you wear? Do you wear like multi-layered mask? I have a, I have a mask that has an in, uh, an insert. Uh, so it's a cloth mask with the, with the paper insert thing that, uh, supposedly they tell you is the best. He has to take the bowl out of the gas mask. That's it. <laughs> if I had a gas mask, I would wear it. I'd like to get one of those like World War II aviator things going. I, I would definitely wear that. That'd be a lot uh, of fun. All right, progressive trivia, Mark. I have not been able to come up with a guess. Be- and Jeff actually stole the, uh, what I think were the best guesses. Carson Palmer, Rich Gannon, and Phil Sims are in. It wasn't incorrect. Gannon because that was longer for Gannon, much longer yeah. career. Yeah. All right, so this guy was a top five pick. I don't think Gannon was a top five pick, nor Sims. Um, and who was the other one Palmer. you mentioned? Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer was, for sure. Heisman finalist. There you go. NFL MVP. I'm not sure Carson was a, an MVP ever. 11-plus years, two head coaches, three-time Pro Bowler, five more interceptions and touchdowns thrown in the postseason. In over 150 games, has roughly a 600 winning percentage as a starter. I don't think Gannon uh, or Palmer, uh, maybe even Sims, uh, with that, because he had those bad years with the Giants early, 165 plus touchdowns. These are the last four clues. Has led the league in passer rating, ran for over 3,500 yards, ran for over 3,500 yards, and had six rushing postseason touchdowns. And here's a little of the giveaway. You ready for the giveaway? I just guessed. Before you give the giveaway, look at my guess. It is. It is not Joe Theismann. Okay. He went to a SWAC school. Oh, okay. I know who it is then. Just like that. See? Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know That's, who it is. Yep. Yep. John knows his conferences. John knows the bowls associated with the conferences. John knows everything like that. So yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. I also I also watched a uh, football life on uh, Doug Williams. Who Ooh. also went to uh, who went to Grambling, yeah. Uh, so yeah, 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 yeah. So that was fresh in my mind. That that is a good one, and a guy who's uh, sadly forgotten. And think about that with him, you know, top five, and a Heisman finalist yeah. with a with a such a small school and an MVP. I mean, these are major accomplishments. All right, uh, so, moving on. So uh, Carson Palmer in 2015. It was Carson or Cam. I thought I thought maybe he had won that. Uh, okay, gotcha. All right. Um, moving on to our poll question. Mark Ferreira, which we, we did, had one response for. We did have one response. Did you happen to grab that, Jeff? <laughs> I did. I, this, this is twice in a row on me. Well, 
again, I had two things I was going to ask you in our in our little five minute prep before we go on, and I forgot to ask you both. And one of them was, oh, by the way, we've got a voice memo from Lenny for best sports moments of all time, and um, <clears throat> you know. I was talking about individual moments sort of on the field, John. You were arguing yeah. uh, sort of big picture things, you know, the, the the decision to merge the two leagues in the NFL, for instance. Uh, and, and we sort of went back and forth. And the whole discussion devolved into a series of accusations and allegations. Well, I just thought we I, I think Jeff me. would agree with me. We both we both realized that uh, you had initially said, you know, best moments in sports and yeah. I threw out my things and, and you poo pooed those and said, no, no, on the field. That was you did. Which we, you we did narrow it. On. You did narrow it to a needles. And you narrowed it down to it, it. It essentially had to be a San Francisco team involved in it. So it was either the catch <laughs> was the biggest moment in the history of, of, of football. Right. And uh, the biggest moment in the history of baseball was, I don't know, Buster Posey being a... No. By the way... Bobby Thompson's home run. Okay, whatever. Uh, I, I have an issue with you. We're going we're gonna to go off the rails here again. Oh, boy. Yesterday, we I watched... We were on them? I watched... We really, we've been wheelless for this entire show. I watched the last 45 minutes of the League of Their Own. Yes, Okay. Flipped on. Right. I was having lunch. It was on. Hadn't seen it in a while. I enjoy it. I love a good rom com. Um, <laughs> what at what point in the movie did you did you uh, did you come I, in? Do you, do you remember? I popped into the film. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember uh, when it was. About yeah, probably 40 minutes. I, I watched the last 40 minutes of it. They they hadn't. Uh, spoiler alert: Kit hadn't gone to Racine yet. That had okay. not yet yeah. happened. It was it was somewhere there before that, just before Dottie had decided. I can't believe I'm talking about this. Dottie had uh, had told Jimmy that uh, Kit her, her arm was done in the game and he pulled her right. from the game. She wanted to throw a complete game because back then, even even in the women's league back then, you went nine people. You got the ball, you went nine. Is what you were supposed to do. So you missed a lot of it. You missed when uh, there was hardly any people there. When they had to do yeah, all, all those promotions to get. Uh, but missed... I remember that. I've seen the movie numerous times. Right, but. But here's my point, Mark. All right. Let's hear it. The Roll tape. pivotal moment in this movie yeah. is Racine winning the championship. Would you agree? That is the pivotal moment. I mean, that is that is the, you know, everything after that is denouement. That's the moment where, it, it's you know. the climax that, of the movie. I wouldn't okay. say the pivotal, but yes, how, the climax. How did that, how did that come about? What, how did she score? She, did you remember what I do. happened? I do. Well, you sound like Tucker Carlson what, right now. You sound like Tucker Carlson. Don't you ever. You sound like it. Who's that again? Garbage. No, it's, it's you. but you literally, when you said Tucker that, and, and believe me, I saw it recently. Soulless piece of... I, 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 I saw Carlson. He called you a Tucker. Good God, You mother Tucker. Oh no, I, you you did. Yeah, what yeah, was I, it? What was it? That kind of thing just reminded me. I don't of know. I, I won't watch. I won't watch his problem. Where he's where he you know in his yeah. mind pins the guest against the wall. But uh, so I, I I will the, say when I <laughs> I will this that just classic. It's, it's classic radio. This you, underscore you, of insults against. I this. don't care. Tucker Carlson. Anybody who listens to that jackass gets exactly what they deserve jerk i'm 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 not a fan either johnny at all 
that's why that's why I threw it back at you like that. So I saw the movie recently. I know what you're going to talk about. I thought about it at the time, and I thought, mm-hmm. wow, two major because there's a there's a there's a scene like that earlier in, in the movie because they foreshadowed that moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where she, you know, uh, you know, her younger sister runs into the catcher, dislodges the ball. What's it called? What's the, what's that? What's that play that's now a nostalgic thing in in Major League Baseball that you know we can look back fondly on, but we can't see it anymore because. I got hurt. You run into the catcher. You run into the catcher. Play at the plate. Play at the plate. Run into the catcher. It's not just a play at the plate. We have plays at the plate still. It's running into the catcher, and that is that is a little bit of a um, anachronistic moment. They were applying the uh, sensibilities of the late '80s, early '90s onto those moments in their sensibilities. uh, The rules. How you play the game their theatrical license about how each of these games went because you know that those games weren't exactly how they went of course and not. so and so they took theatrical license and they applied late 80s early 90s sensibilities when the movie was made 91 or 92 and and because that's where the game had evolved to in baseball and it hadn't done that in the past we looked at those articles actually Jeff showed me an article trying to prove your y'all's point and it basically said it wasn't really a thing for decades and decades and decades in Major League Baseball. Now, maybe the women were tougher than the men. All, well, that, 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 all, all I heard in all of that was Buster Posey would not have been able to play in a league of their own. Yeah, no, he couldn't. Have, Buster Posey could not have played for Racine <laughs> or, or the Rockford Peaches. No. This just in, Buster Posey could not have played for the Rockford Peaches. <sighs> What what's that, Buster? And and, and again, I and I can't stand there for the uh, to run into me. <laughs> Sorry, again, again, I he didn't lead the charge, me. John. He did not lead the charge to change the rule. He was recovering from he set up a, you know, a multi. What's that? I, he set up a GoFundMe page. Hey, pay pay for my cast. I got hurt playing a game. <laughs> God. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so yep. I just thought I'd to point out that your favorite sports movie, which I still debate is your favorite sports movie, and you just it like because you have a daughter. Nope. Um, great movie. It, it really was. It really enjoyed watching. Frankly, it's very well done. And Gina um, Davis, it, boy, oh boy, it's a great. It's a great movie. Yeah, I love. When her. they did the, I saw some thing with the hundred best sports movies of all time, and they and they it was down in the forties, and I thought that was ridiculous. Um, hundred best sports movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, bad. Yeah. Um, was it any well, given it, Sunday it above it? Good. Oh, what's that? Was any given Sunday above it? Uh, I don't know. I stopped at like 90. So I thought, eh, you know, if it falls in, I would have less problem with it. But it was not highly rec- uh, uh, recognized. In the 40s, um, that's ridiculous. Started with Rocky and and then Raging Bull, which, I mean, I, I didn't have any argument there. And Bull right. Durham was third. Or I think Hoop Dreams was third because they included. There are a lot of documentaries. Now, we've, we've talked about documentaries in the show. But I just thought it would be interesting to point out that your favorite sports movie Right. Uh, if it were made today under uh, what you believe should uh, should happen, the end would have been, you know, I don't know, it would have been sacrifice, bunt, uh, could, maybe could maybe be, a pass the ball. Could be a walk-off home run that was just actually over the oh, fence. They, they don't, they, you know, it, it could be like the natural ending. You know, it could be all kinds of things. It doesn't have to be a play at the plate. Now, they, you know, again, they had it earlier in the movie as well where she held on to the ball. Gina Davis held on, and then she loses it with this one. And then the big debate is, did she drop it on purpose? What is it to sal- to salvage the relationship? Blah blah blah. And it's a great way, moment. I, 
I am a number. I'm. But it didn't happen that way back in the day because they applied a 90 sensibility onto a 40s. No, it was a rule in baseball that you it could possibly have happened, and you don't know that in the women's baseball leagues that there weren't like people running into each other at the plate because it was a rule, and that's what we were allowed to but do. People until, didn't do it until people, Buster Posey cut it, by the Rockford wasn't a rule. It wasn't a rule that said you can do that. There just wasn't a rule that said you couldn't. Well, then you could do it. Well, yeah, but they didn't do it, though. That's the point. Yeah, no one did, did it. it. Oh, people did. Not like well, the first time one it happened, out of 10,000 plays. The first time it happened was not to Ray Fossey in, in the All-Star game. No, it was and like I will the agree eight. that it was in like an All-Star game, that might have been that might have been a thing that you, you don't necessarily have to do that in an All-Star game. But things were different then. And I get that. But I'm just pointing out that the what, what made that movie great well, would not have not happened. Just, that is Dude, not what made the movie great. There's like 18 other things that make the movie guy great. Who couldn't make the Rockford Peaches. <laughs> and today we're announcing that we're we're letting Posey go. Yeah, I have a question here in the back. Yeah, go ahead. Is why are you letting him go simply because he's male and he never should have been on this team in the first place? So that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, no, no. Actually, we we're going to let him play. But then we were we were running a little um, you know we were running some drills and asking him to block the plate and he said and I quote I might hurt my foot hurt foot ugh we realize he's and- not a woman he's a bitch <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh oh my god what the heck do you guys have against Buster Posey for crying I, I out have loud. nothing against him it's just that rule it's not he did nothing to he did. Rest though? No, he didn't. If if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, it would have never happened. Something that that you have no evidence of. I will come there and I will I will hit you. (laughs) I will come and I will strike you. Not ever, ever, ever do that. Dr. Carlson asked. There's. I think people will agree. There's a lot of similarities, John. There really are. Kind of look like him a little bit, you know. I do not like Tucker Carlson. Now, give the answer to the progressive trivia. The answer to the progressive trivia, should we give, give those the clues first? Yes, just do it. You've angered uh, me. I know. Here he is. Here it is. Top five pick, Heisman finalist, NFL MVP. See, I, you know, you can dish it out, but you just can't take it. I mean, that's the difference between that, you and I. That's a bridge too far. That's a bridge. <laughs> that is a bridge I mean, too Buster far. Buster Posey. Buster Posey means a lot to me, John. And not only do you go after his, you know, everything about him, but then you have this 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 imitation of him that is hilarious. I grant you, it, but it's it's, <laughs> uh, it's caretaker in uh, uh, the longest yard. Guys in here don't care. You killed your mother, but shaving points off a football game. That's just un-American. <laughs> Compare me to Tucker Carlson. That's just un-American. All right, yeah, I enough. think you're more Jesse Waters anyway. Oh, God. Ooh. Jesus, it's not much better. Never. Not much better, Johnny. Who would you rather be? Who would you rather be? There's a gun to your head. You have to choose. You have to choose. Hold the trigger. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Top five pick. Heisman finalist. NFL MVP. 11 plus years. Two head coaches. Those head coaches were Jeff Fisher and John Harbaugh. No, and Brian Billick. I'm sorry. Brian Billick. And Jeff Fisher, three-time Pro Bowler, five more interceptions and TDs. I think it was six and eleven thrown in the postseason. Uh, in over 150 games, had roughly a 600 winning percentage. That's remarkable. Those Titan yeah. teams did an awful lot. 165 plus touchdowns. Has led the league in passer rating. That was in his uh, MVP year of 2003. Ran for 3,500 yards. This guy was a runner. Rushed for six postseason t- t- TDs. Went to a SWAC school, SWAC Alcorn State. And, of course, it's the late, great Steve McNair. 
See, without the without the giveaway, though, John, you would have been stumped, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I might have eventually come around to it, um, but I just, I, truth be told, I did not remember McNair being an MVP. Right. Exactly. Because it wasn't in the 99 season when they went to the Super Bowl, and I think I probably would have remembered, Yeah, but it was in a season where they were not as successful. Right. Not in the, I think they got to the postseason, of course, and, the, yeah. and that Titan team was known for getting to the postseason, but not doing much outside of that 99 season. And uh, but but that was a very good team. Eddie George on that team. They had a um, that, that was a solid football team. And that's yeah. why he won most of the games he started. I mean, six out of 10 is noteworthy. Oh, not absolutely. Many quarterbacks have that. And a Mike Jones tackle away from winning, winning that Super Bowl. And uh, what was a great second half between yeah. and. And boy, talk about they did a great job defensively. They don't get enough credit for uh, slowing down the greatest show on turf. Yep. You know, the Patriots get credit for that for their first Super Bowl, but the Titans did it as well. So I think it could be said of that Rams team offensively that defense wins championships. Boy, was evidenced in that because the defenses really were were the story. They won the game against the Titans, but that greatest show on turf was not great that day. And I don't think they had Tor- they didn't have Tory Holt in 01. It was not quite as formidable a team as it was in 99. And uh, our friend Keith Abbott gives me such a hard time because I said Tory Holt was the key to that. He mm. was the key because it was it was, you know, they couldn't just focus on they couldn't double Isaac Bruce every single time right. anymore. And, and then, of course, you had Marshall Falk great, out of the backfield. And Oz Akeem so. was a great number three, too, for that team. Oh, Oz Akeem. That's the guy I said was the key. Yeah, Oz you said Oz Akeem was the key. key. And, and I he think would just he signed. laugh and laugh and laugh. And Ozakim was not there in 01. Right. Yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, both Holt and Bruce were there at that point in time. All right. Uh, we, we'll skip over the, everything else we're going to talk about. The NBA, the NBA just announced they're targeting July 31st to return to play. And it's going to be at Disney? Uh, they have not announced that have, yet. It seem, seems like that's a possibility. Is that when the regular season starts or when they start training? Uh, regular season start games wow. will start. Yeah, I think they they thought they'd need about three and a half to four weeks back, and they had been talking about end of June, so now it looks like maybe they're thinking 1st of July. Um, And I think what they were talking about doing was having facilities open up so guys could train near their homes for a couple of weeks and then coming uh, to whatever site that they're going to do, would be at ESPN Wide World of Sports or somewhere else, and then picking up with training there and then moving into games. So, all right, fingers crossed, because I'm, I'm, like I said, not optimistic about baseball. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here after 90 minutes of God only knows what we've gone through? Other than no, you calling I, Tucker I, Carlson. I think we've said all we need to say today, John. Patrick. All right, fair enough. Everybody, have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend. We will be back on Monday. After further review with Mark and John, Jeff Taylor on the board. Great weekend, everybody. Bye.